I've lost the top of the microphone there. Shall I just go back? That's that yeah, a, a, bro- a broadcasting problem we've never had before. Hello and welcome to The Ruck, the weekly podcast from The Times and Sunday Times. I'm Owen Slot and I'm playing the Wayne Barnes role today, trying to referee our two regular panellists, Stuart Barnes and Steve Jones. Barnes at yesterday went as close as damn it to sympathising with the project player controversy. Jonesy, who likes to see things in black and white, apparently couldn't disagree more. Well, more of that later. There has been a lot happening. A brilliant final weekend in the regular Premiership season. It's countdown time to the European finals and the Lions have gathered at last and have been issued with new pants and socks. It does not get much more exciting than that. Jonesy Barnsley, good to have you back this week. Hello, Slotty. Hello, Ian. Great week, great weekend. Uh, Quick highlight, Stuart. Highlight or low light? Uh, Whatever, just whatever. Very quick. A highlight, it was great to be uh, in Thalethley and see a backline living up to the heritage of that famous old club. The Scarlet's backs were brilliant. Uh, against the Ospreys. The low light, I have to say, unfortunately, was Dan Bigger. Dan is uh, a lovely bloke, but he's getting into this football-type mentality of arguing referees with everything. Uh, Dan Bigger also uh, limped off with an ankle injury, which, of course, is a worry for the Lions. And last and not least, Dan Bigger is playing dreadfully at the moment, which is perhaps an even bigger worry for the Lions. Personal bugbear... Uh, players who tell the touch judge where the ball went out for uh, for the line out. It's Sean Maitland at the weekend. Apparently, having a row with the, with the touch judge. He should have been yellow carded or or or, or sent to, back to New Zealand that, or something. Didn't no, know that. Sorry, really yes, okay. yes, right. so I still am. Uh, uh, Jonesy, sheer joy of watching Was play rugby. Um, coached by uh, a great, uh, huge, uh, mountainous uh, prop. And playing the best rugby, and I said in the paper on the weekend, even if they don't win anything, I'll never forget the way that Wasps have played this season. Well, mm. I, I would. Uh, my highlight was actually I was go- just going to go for Thomas Young's first try in that game, when they went left, right, uh, up, down, uh, round the corner. Uh, 25 touches from Cipriani. Thomas Young's morphed into a left wing. Mm. Um, yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Okay, let's go on to uh, the, the the big subject of the week, the um, uh, Champions Cup final, Murrayfield, Saturday afternoon, uh, Saracens defending champions against Claremont. Um, uh, it's a cliche, perennial bridesmaids. Um, uh, what else do we call them? What? How do we get 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 round that? They, Catastrophic they, chokers. Yeah, uh, you like it? Yes. Uh, can we put it worse than that? Um, they got uh, they got uh, Strettle, um, a former Saracen, which is interesting. Uh, I don't know if that if that will make any um, make any difference. Uh, I think let, let's let's uh, let's sh- should we just agree that Saracens are strong favourites for starters? Yeah. Yes. The, 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 what I hope is, uh, um, as a neutral, that the the, the the final reflects the great talents of the two teams. That's what finals are supposed to do. Often they don't. I think they're two magnificent teams. Uh, the chokers is a difficult one because when you get to the final of anything, you're always going to come up against someone who's quite good and might beat you. It has happened to them a lot, but a lot of that was was sort of almost 100 years ago. So um, they choked massively against Johnny Wilkinson and Toulon a, f- uh, a few years ago and again massively against a really poor Stade Francais team in the uh, two or three years ago in the uh, in the top 14. They are a great side. They've certainly, I feel, a sort of 
real pang towards them because I would love to see such a magnificent club with such magnificent followers win the title because I think they deserve one. That Chokers thing I found interesting. We always used to say bizarrely that that was the All Blacks um, yeah. <laughs> problem, their poison, wasn't it? Uh, and it? And it would only happen four years apart. I mean, can you can you really be serial Chokers if you've got, yes. had four years to get over something? Yeah, no, uh, I mean, yeah. the, the point is, as you say, Jonesy, they get to a final and they don't quite get over the line. And the question is, at what stage does that, does that just drip, drip into your head and you think we, could, we can't get over the line? The problem is, it's not even a case of, uh, of just getting a whole new stack of players. There, there is uh, a psychology in sports clubs. And, and if you go to somewhere like Clermont, and once or twice I've spent a couple of days there, it is very claustrophobic. And, and the place drips with rugby history and what they've achieved, or more to the point, all the times they haven't quite achieved it and you know they've got Aurelian Rougerie there who is a, a beacon of sort of um, of social goodness in the town but he's also a reminder of all the times they've failed and, and Steve mentioned a couple of them they, you know, twice they did it against Toulon but also Leinster away in I think the greatest quarter final of European rugby I've ever seen Brock Jade single handedly blew it uh, there was a semi-final in Bordeaux when they should have beaten them and Wesley Fofana dropped it over the line this team psychologically have found it very hard to win big games and that is an issue but what I would say to tr try and end the choke element Brock James was the mastermind of choking he's the choker of all chokers he did it against Gloucester in the uh, Challenge Cup semi-final with La Rochelle playing at home uh, this man that's playing now the French fly half Camille Lopez is the opposite Against Toulon in the quarter-final when there was a seven-point gap with ten to go, he just said, give it to me, drop a goal, close the game out. Against Leinster, who were playing really well and it was there or there for the taking for Leinster, two drop goals in the last ten minutes, end of story. I may be wrong, I think Saracens will win, but I don't think Clement will lose this time because they'll choke. I think Saracens will beat them because they'll be better over 80 minutes. I'd also love to think that all the Saracens boys come through, um, come through fit and, and etc. But I think Saracens are wonderful. I think Claremont are wonderful. I love love going there. And like I say, if you could, if I if it was down to me to say who's going to win, I'd just love to see Claremont. For all my affection for Saracens, just to, just take it away. Mm. When you talk to those Claremont boys, we just, it, it is a club right in the heart of the city. And and Strettle and Benden have spoken to them both about what it's like to be there. And they say literally, you go for a coffee and you, you don't have to pay. You go out for dinner, you don't have to pay because uh, the, the 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 bar owners, the restaurant owners know who you are. That's like me and uh, me and Newport. Yeah, exactly. But, but um, uh, you haven't taken us there recently. Mm. No, when Big Time Rugby comes back, we're all going. Okay. Um, but when they when they lose a game in Claremont, then then they don't go out because they're not so welcome anymore. Um, so so I think it's it's a great place for, for me. The, um, the 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 Saracens question is: I think they'll get over the line this weekend. I think I think they are just getting stronger and stronger. But uh, it's how much they've got in their legs for the rest of the season. You know, they've got this game. They've got extra away uh, uh, in their in their Premiership semi final. Do they then get to a final? I mean, those, that's three colossal games, and then a, and then a Lions tour. I think if if Saracens do the double again, and I'm not saying they won't, I think you can mark them down as the greatest English club uh, team that any of us have seen. To have done back to back doubles domestic and Europe is sensational. It would have be that would be three straight domestics, wouldn't it now? And a back to back if they win it this year. And to do it against an Exeter team who, who I think are, are, 
almost redefining the way the game is played, English club level. Very interesting the way they're playing. Home advantage, huge confidence. I think to to beat them one week after a European final against Clermont, who I don't think will choke, and then have to play probably a strong WAS team in the final. Yeah, Saracens are the best team, I think, in Europe, but that doesn't mean they're going to win three is games the, like that. Is this totally your- agree. Sorry, I mean, Sarri's rested a few against uh, Northampton recently and 10 on Saturday. OK, good luck to them, but uh, now they go, it's given them extras away. And what a horrendous prospect that is, even even for Sarri's. Also agree with redefining the way games played. The last time I saw Exeter uh, down at uh, Sandy Park, I think Garrett's... Gareth Steenson kicked the ball once out of hand, which was staggering because normally in the Aviva Premiership five years ago, you'd think talking about kicking it about 50 times. Well, I like this. Um, I like this best ever, best ever club team in in Europe thing that um, that you that you've been uh, um, leading us on, Barnsley. It, isn't that isn't that a bit unfair on your old Bath team? You, I mean, you never had a European trophy to play for. Are you, are you being a bit generous there? Uh, no, I mean clearly we would have won a stack of European trophies, but I that's more like it. That's more like Barnsley, it. Yeah. I, I don't I don't think, in all honesty, it was quite as competitive then. There were a few hard matches. And you know, yeah, we went. Uh, we probably lost uh, one league game a season for four years, I think. I and mean, we were pretty hard to beat. But I think you've got to look at what they're playing against. Uh, in all seriousness, this is an astonishing thing Saracens are doing at the moment. Um, if you beat Saracens, how do you, how do you do it? What's what what's the thing? You have to. Uh, Exeter have got the way to beat them. Sar- Saracens will play territory and they will squeeze you. And the flip side is. When you give up and you try and run and you turn over, you either get hit on the turnover or from first phase. Their first phase back play is brilliant. I'm fed up with all this talk about the final's going to be out. Clemens' attack and Sarri's defence. Nah, nah. Saracens, Saris have changed Sa- Saracens' first phase. Clemens have got this fantastic pyrotechnic attack, but Sarri's first phase attack is the most precise in Europe. So, So how do you beat them? You keep the ball, and that's why Exeter make a compelling case because they just keep the ball. As Jonesy was saying, you know, Steenson doesn't kick it. I, I watch Exeter now, and it's like last year when, you know, with Sky doing the Pro 12 League, uh, Pat Lamb's Connaught team just kept the ball. But that team went sideways. They were very comfortable offloading, but they were happy to go across, back one way, and then the other. This Exeter team, they go forwards because they're more powerful up front. They're... they're they're formidable. I mean, the only question now for Exeter is, can they look in the eyes of the sort of Saracens gunslingers and not Blanche? And that's a big issue because Saris are psychologically nailed on against any team. Can I just say one more thing about the final, Owen? Um, these days, you bid for the final in, 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 in collaboration with your local authority or your district, blah, blah, blah. SIU got it this time, and um, I objected to that. I think it should have gone somewhere else. But if you bid for the final, you can't blame the um, all the supporters of the two teams if you don't fill the stadium. No. And I would be absolutely thrilled to, to, to see that the SIU, having bid for it and having been given it, have, have got their backsides in gear to get people there. Mm, should be an occasion. Actually, the Murrayfield thing on, on talking of Claremont and Chokers is only... Um, uh, one player who's played in both Murrayfield Heineken Cup finals, who's playing in this one as well, it's Ben Kayser. That's some 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 record. He's been been there twice, lost twice. Of course, as you say, Barnsley, that's uh, they're they're beyond that psychological thing. Uh, uh, the night before Friday evening uh, in the Challenge Cup final, uh, Gloucester and Stade Francais. 
that's um, uh, an interesting. They, they've had a really interesting uh, last few weeks. Both teams, Gloucester thought they were being bought, weren't bought. Stad tried to sell, couldn't sell. Uh, in the middle of that, they're trying to play a game of rugby from time to time. Uh, Stad seems to almost have been empowered by this. Gloucester, I think, have. Um, uh, been edging towards a good team from time to time, but never convincingly. Jeez, they've been edging towards being a good time team from time to time for about five years, haven't they? I tell you what, they were bloody good in the first half of their first game of the season. That was probably when they peaked this year. <laughs> but they've had bloody good halves for most seasons since Dean Ryan left. Um, they don't have a shape, but I mean, last week the Exeter game—you can forgive them that they were clearly targeting this game. And I know it's ludicrous that the Challenge Cup, that the winners should automatically be the 20th team to go into the Champions Cup. Um, But they're not. So let's park that to the side and remember, and people do forget this, professional rugby players want trophy. I won't use that horrible word silverware, which is only ever used in sport. But Mm. trophies are really important. And and if you look at the way uh, Stad fought back against Bath when momentum had turned against them, the way Gloucester went and... And, and dug in hard in La Rochelle, you know, both these teams want to win a trophy and that's very important. And whilst the winner should go into Europe next year, they're not, but this is a big game in its own right. And it will salvage, I think, yet another pretty mediocre season for Gloucester. Mm. Jonesy, who I takes th- the silverware? Uh, the, so the, I think the, the, the <laughs> trophy, uh, look, it, it, one of these things, it depends. What do you do what, with your silverware? I've got it all lined up. I get, well, I get. Um, do you have a separate cabinet get, for silverware and trophies? Yeah, but it's not. It's not all silverware because you, I got a lot of uh, certificates. You see, so it's not all silverware. I got some silverware. I think I got the Isle of Man sevens from 1922 when I was a sub in the final. Um, Looks, uh, Gloucester veer, but not very far. They veer between the the, the bottom of the of the uh, of the scale for adequacy. Then they go down to almost not there, almost falling apart. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know why the owner would buy a club about a year ago and then want to sell it so soon. That worries me. The coaching staff still wor- still worry me greatly. I don't think they're anywhere near. I'd love to see them win because I love Gloucester. But I, I could easily see Stade Francais catching fire and sneaking it. Gloucester are not there yet, even if they win the silverware. <laughs> Saturday afternoon at the Rico Arena, I was sat next to Jonesy. We had a kind of um, a last day of the football season type experience, didn't we? We were, we were watching a, a really scintillating game in front of us, while at the same time looking at our phones, checking on the, the scores elsewhere. It was a day when actually every, all six games on that last day of the Premiership uh, had a significance to what, what was going to happen, who was going to qualify for, for, for this, that and the other. Uh, a brilliant day. Uh, best last day. I mean, we, we like tops and bottoms, best worst. Was that the best last day ever? Yeah, I think so because it's been the best Premiership, no doubt about it. I mean, you you look down the lower reaches of the table, played people like Sale and Newcastle, going strong, not, nothing on it, and um, and uh, playing great rugby, uh, scoring good tries, etc. Um, you know, it, 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 the competitiveness at, at one stage, Northampton were going to qualify as we saw. Then uh, then Quins were back on, and the, the Exeter were way down then they came back etc it was a great last day it's been a great premiership and um it's going from strength to strength i absolutely loved it and um uh, bristol just um will will write their history um wringing their hands about how they didn't ever measure up to it but i think they'll be back next year with a good team so it's uh, it just goes on and on goes from strength to strength uh, 
I, I've covered wasps in the old days in North London in front of, say, a thousand people. There were 31,000 there on Saturday. So I ju- just loved the whole day, loved the whole season. And and actually, next season, you can see it kicking on even more, can't you? Because those those teams around sort of 8, 9, 10, I feel will all get stronger. Sale are definitely get stronger Sale because they, they've, got, they've got money yeah. to burn. Yeah. I feel Worcester on the verge of, uh, of, of getting stronger. Don't know. Uh, Don't know. Newcastle would be the team. I mean, OK, Newcastle have made a bit of a move this season and it is astonishing that they played so much good rugby when my old mate Dean is DOR and Wellesley, the, possibly the most negative flanker in the history of the game. I say what you and, mean, and, and not the most positive coach always, but the two of them now are pulling together something pretty good. I think you know, Dave Walder you must be doing Dave a Dave must be a genius? I've I've come around to the fact that Dave Walder is the man for England. Uh, um, no, I, I've, I've really enjoyed watching Newcastle, and it's quite surprising when you look at the sort of uh, tri-tally that they don't actually score that many, but their penetration and the speed of their game is really good, and I think, in all seriousness, I think Richards has done a, a cracking job there, and I think they will go very well next season. And like Steve, you know, you look at it and you're thinking, who's not going to go? Who's not going to be a better team? Which I think is a real gauge for a, a domestic tournament. And the only team I would look at and say, I don't know where they're going right now would be Northampton. Well, that's, that's a fair point. I also think, you know, um, if you're talking about the Tigers, if you're talking Ford, Tamua, Tulangi, well, maybe yeah. they, can, they can do something as well. So very exciting. Really looking forward, really, really looking forward to the semi. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. He's in the final. Northampton are on, on, on the... Um on the verge of, uh, of of serious slippage, as you say, aren't they? Oh, they're, they're there, Owen. But, mean- but they try. They, they've been trying all season to uh, to sign a, a first class uh, uh, number ten. Uh, they tried for. Um, they tried very hard for Ford. Uh, they think they tried for Madigan. They didn't try for Charlie Hodgson a long time ago, and Saracens did, and it was significant. Uh, and I think it's not just about Northampton trying not getting the number ten. The, the they tried fa- for Barry, John and Phil Bennett as well, didn't they? I don't think they did. They had Piggy Powell, who was moving from the loose head position to... <laughs> to I, I just think there's a, a, an issue above and beyond the playing side of it. I, I, you know, whatever fly half you got, I, I think there's a, a an intent to play a tight, tight driving game, pick up and drive. And I, I just don't see any change in the way Northampton I don't think they're a happy years. place either I well, think well, there's, you, I wouldn't, think... you wouldn't be if your game isn't evolving that, that, that's what makes players unhappy if they don't feel there's any improvement you know you don't, you can, only one team can win a league but if your team aren't going in the right direction that's a problem what, while the Premiership was having that exciting, uh, uh, amazing last day, much the same was going on in the Pro 12 uh, uh, in, um, in in Stuart Barnes land. Stuart Barnes, you were at... Parky Scarlet for the Scarlets against Osprey. 14,000, which is a cracking crowd there. 
And it was um, it, it was the the, the Star- Scarlets coming really strong at the end of the season. Scarlets playing fantastically. I mean, I, you know, I watched them give Saris a game in Europe away, and I thought this is a good team. And they drew with them. Saris scored a last second try to, which ended Saracens' winning run in Europe uh, with that draw. Uh, and they are a very good team now. Their back play, as I said earlier, is fantastic. They're confident. Can they, uh, can they beat an, an Irish team in the semi-final? Uh, the, the odds are on Leinster. Leinster, I think, are a, a, a very fine team. We saw that against Wasp. Uh, can they do it? Yes, they can. They're playing that well. Will they do it? The odds, as I say, it's unlikely. But um, at 2 o'clock Saturday afternoon, I'd said it was unfeasible. Mm. Jones, now, now I think it's possible. Searching for, for sort of our ideal golden end season ends, etc. You would just want a Welsh uh, a Welsh team versus an Irish team. We'd get where we are now. No? You want just like the, just like the um, the European Cup. You want two nationalities involved in it, other because it comes sort of into Nissan. And um, would be lovely to think that one of the Welsh teams can do it. They, they've come late. Um, I think uh, I agree with Stuart. Slathley have got something about them, mainly in some ways a kind of what was always been native to them. Mm. I mean, two or three forwards stuck in there, then then they're in business. That's that, that's um, really good, and it's a, a long-awaited sign of a resurgence. I thought it was a great weekend. Um, it was a great idea to have all the derbies there, and uh, let's hope it's a great final. I should just say in the Pro 12 context that um, as we speak they're um, uh, arranging a meeting at Newport Rugby Club uh, to to work t- to vote as to whether the shareholders allow the Welsh Rugby Union to take over. I've never been a fan of the regional concept but if those die-hard uh, old codgers at Newport do not vote for the takeover then you've got to qu- question their um, uh, love of rugby uh, you've got to point out that um, parochialism I mean it's worst kind uh, lives and breathes in Newport and maybe Wales as well so if when we wake up tomorrow we find that uh, they voted against and there's not going to be any dragons well you can forget all that and the whole of Gwent can shut down and turn out the lights very sad I mean I grew up up and down the Gwent Valleys as a schoolboy playing from Nantiglow down where Newport was regarded as the posh team and uh, it was a hell of an education there and as Steve says the lights go out in the valleys you know it's 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 economically not the place it once was and it's struggling a bit rugby remains very important there and uh, it would be an area where Welsh rugby could still find a few forwards it would be a, a real tragedy a sporting tragedy yeah, yeah. This podcast has been recorded on a Tuesday morning. Uh, by uh, Wednesday afternoon, we will have the result of the World Cup draw for the 2019 World Cup in Japan. Uh, all the big cheeses are over there as they slice up the pie and work out who's playing who. Uh, we're going to know who is in the infernal uh, pool of death. Uh, we're going to know if uh, England gonna, are going to avoid uh, the All Blacks all the way to the final, if things go their way. Uh, I touched on it before. <clears throat> One thing we'll also know by the end of Wednesday um, is whether the uh, controversial uh, eligibility rule um uh, will have been changed, uh, as you will probably know, if you uh, uh, move house um, from Fiji to Scotland and live there for three years, then then you can um, uh, play for Scotland, or uh, from South Africa to Ireland, um, another favoured route. Um, uh, uh, the um, the move is to push it for f- to, to five years. Uh, I believe that that is the right thing. But Stuart, you made the point yesterday um, in your column. With which I do agree, it, 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 it will it will it will balance out the rugby world as it, as it should do, 
but it will imbalance uh, uh, the, the, the countries, the nations that have benefited, like Scotland and Ireland. I think if you want to... Uh, by the way, I have always been... I, I, five years was minimal start for me. Um, I've always been completely against it. But now I'm just starting to think that maybe the sort of your mother, your grandmother, your blood isn't that important, that if the team are happy, then you can get away with it. I would say five years is more than... I've, I've just found out that my granny was born somewhere. I mean, for me, that's a bit tenuous. Well, we don't want to get back to the um, Shane Howarth one where he accused his um, Maori grandmother of having a dalliance with a Welsh <laughs> sailor, which, unfortunately, granny was alive and uh, let everyone know that was not the case. But, you know... Five years, that takes you into a two World Cup cycle. And that means teams like Scotland and, and yes, Ireland uh, are not going to be able to go out and have their policy. Now, instinctively, I think, good, that's excellent. But Scotland have improved. One of the reasons they've improved, not just that they've been well coached by a Kiwi... They're getting good players. Yeah, no doubt about it. it. They're, they're getting good players in, in holes the team. that they need. They've only got two professional clubs. Scotland does not have that many good players. So, do we want England and France with their huge player base to say it's wrong? We can't do that and stop teams like Scotland and Ireland actually improving. And I understand the the Pacific Island situation, and I don't know the answer. And I'm not going to pretend there is a straight answer. But all I'm saying is, whilst we're bleeding our hearts dry for Samoa, Tonga and and Fiji, we mustn't forget that established rugby countries like Scotland uh, have been left behind in, in, in this sort of professional um, race. So, some countries just don't have resources and you can't stick them there artificially. I mean, um, Holland doesn't have any mountains. That's just a natural resource. You can't move mountains over there so they they feel part of it. And also, a lot of the people that have come over have been rubbish. I mean, the couple have been all right. No one's really taken the world by storm. But you look at the people the, the people hanging around in Edinburgh that, that were signed by uh, Solomon. It's just... just Rubbish. But that's another. I, I that's another a thing. different I issue, Steve. I don't know if either of you were there, but two years ago, I chaired a, a, a chat at the Cheltenham Literary Festival, where a senior, very, very I senior, wish, I wish I had been there. very, very senior Scottish player, sadly speaking off the record, ber- uh, entranced the whole audience by berating the principle of of kilted Kiwis of imported uh, three-year. Um, Ari Vists, who then buzz off straight away as soon as they've retired, he slaughtered it. And I tell you something, he is still a very important uh, uh, figure in, in Scotland, and I agree with him. And it is it is being watered down and watered down, and well done, Gus Pichot, for putting a stop to it. Do you, do you have a view on what, on... what about the grandparent thing, though, Jones? I mean, do... do... Do, do we think it, it's right that Ben Teo is, is now playing for England? I mean, yeah, he's got nothing, no, he's got nothing, nothing to do with England at all. Culturally, he's completely and utterly from the other side of the world. Mm. Mm. Yes, he is, and I, I, I don't fair like dues it. to him, that's not a personal thing, but that is mm. the way it is, isn't it? Leslie Vinacola was also shocking as well, because he qualified in uh, in, in rugby league. But no, I, I, I'm not, not happy with that, frankly. But uh, was, wasn't it Ben Teo when England got knocked out of the World Cup was going on Twitter and gloating and enjoying it so much and yeah, then yeah, a couple totally of weeks agree. later 
I'm a, I'm not eligible for Ireland till I play my three years here, but I am for England. I'm off over there, bang. Well, and, and, and what are the what what are the Eng- England fans? I know in the Six Nations when Ben Teo came off the bench and had fantastic roles, they didn't stand there silently and say we're not going to applaud and cheer because you're actually culturally not English. They were del- delighted. I think once a man's got the got the national shirt on, then your fans go, he's one of us, and that's fair enough. It's just it's whether he should have been allowed the national shirt in the first place. While all that was happening in the Premiership and the Pro 12, of course, there was another scintillating weekend of Super Rugby with uh, end-to-end tries and uh, all-black injuries, which is the sort of uh, the, one of the themes um, uh, uh, of the moment. Uh, we know uh, that Kieran Reid is injured uh, thumb. We know that Jerome Kano is injured knee, I think, if I remember yeah. rightly. Um, a, a, a body part of some sort. Uh, who would be next in? Liam Squire is uh, one of the leading back rowers. He, he uh, broke his thumb at the yep. weekend as well. Uh, they also um, came a bit cleaner on the injury to, to Dane Coles, which was had apparently been a calf injury, but now it's a long concussion. concussion. Yeah, well, normally, you know, calf to concussion, it's not far to go, and, da- and uh, Dane's not that tall, so, you know, you travel from the knee to the head pretty quickly, these injuries. Uh, but he is... Um, He's the the world best in his position, in my opinion, and would be a major loss for them. I mean, we're we're at that stage where you're picking up injuries, and does it affect the series? Uh, I don't, I don't think we are at that stage quite yet. There's a long time to go before the tests, and I think one thing with New Zealand and the Lions, you know. Unless you end up with about eight or nine of your front line out, you can't really bleat too much. This is the country that's the number one in the world because of its strength in depth. They've got no right to, to bleat, but... but um, every no, team, every team, every team has men out. Wherever they are, every team has men out. But there will be key men who, who will who, where your team will be weaker if they're oh, out. Yeah. In the, the the All Blacks do not have another number eight with more than ten caps. No, if, if they lose Dane Coles at hooker and they lose Kieran Reid... That is heavy blow. All I'm saying is New Zealand won't bleat uh, because they've got a lot of good players. Now, Squire probably is the next man on the block. Kano, uh, third choice number eight, it's possible. So they could be in trouble there. But then you watch, uh, they'll have to change the way they play. But Ardi Surveyor would probably be the next guy off the block. Now, for years, he's been seen as the guy pushing Sam Kane to be the next number seven after Richie McCall. But he's playing number eight now, and I don't think that's a coincidence. And, I, th- you know, he's not six foot eight, and he ain't going to win line-out ball like Kieran Reid, but he is one hell of a player around the park. I think I, I think that I'd like to see Kieran Reid out there because he won't be able to play on the left wing against Billy Vinopola and Toby Falatel. And I'd like to see how he... How he he, yeah. he makes out when he's dragged into a, a different sort of game to the one he wants to play. Well, that's the great tactical issue. If the Lions can pull Kieran Reid out of his five-metre channel where he is majestic, then they've got a chance. And it'll be the test. Can Gatland get a game plan together and the players who can steamroll in New Zealand and, and make those wide boys play in tighter channels? Gat- Gatland was... Um, uh, the, uh, the the Lions were yesterday for, for their... Um uh, first gathering uh, was was on again about how we have to um, culturally understand where we're going, uh, which I, I find interesting. He he, he gives um, a, a list of films that the Lions should be watching and and some bands that they should be listening. I got to. a real problem with that. 
That's Sorry. nonsense. I got a real problem. Look, I know why Warren wants to do it because some you, when you go down there, the Maori elders, for instance, if you sneeze on the wrong side of the street, you get a Maori elder uh, uh, disagreeing with another Maori and telling me you shouldn't have done it. The All Blacks, when they came up to Wales and demanded to do the hacker after the Welsh national anthem, what cultural respect did they show to Wales, to Wales that day? The Maoris is great. We, we all go there and see their tongues hanging out. That's great. I, I, I respect um, Warren for going there. But f- frankly, the Lions going there to win a match, you don't have to fall over yourself uh, to um, pay homage to a country which never pays homage to anyone else wherever they go. Well, I don't mind the, the paying the homage. It's just uh, what, um, what does your knowledge of crowded house and split ends have to do with uh, whether well, you're going to win a test series? If Bob Dylan was a Kiwi, I'd understand, but he's not. So it's absolutely <laughs> preposterous. And, you know, take Janet Frame out of the equation and I can't think of too many Kiwi authors. I mean, I, show a bit of respect to their rugby team. They're quite good, but I don't know about the rest of it. I, I'll be keeping Bruce Springsteen on my iPod. Thank you. One uh, one uh, player who um, who won't be going to New Zealand, I think we can be pretty sure of that now, is Mike Brown. Uh, he had an interesting. Uh, I felt I, I felt from over the weekend. It was one of those um, uh, media statements that that got reused, and then uh, and he he became the complete villain. So he gave an interview saying he was disappointed not to be in. Uh, that became a, a headline where he slammed the lines for for not picking him, uh, and then that was then replayed to Warren Gatland. Warren Gatland um, made a, a a a real really snide remark when he said it's not just on rugby ability that that we were selecting, which was a a, a comment on Mike Brown's uh, personality as a potential tourist. So 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 Brown from saying he was disappointed uh, has has now been um, effectively slandered in uh, in public. Uh, I felt sorry for him. Um, every newspaper ran it. I can't say our newspaper didn't run it. Um, your opinion, chaps? He was said he was gutted that he wasn't there, which, which, uh, leaving aside all the other fuss, which you, as which you mentioned, Owen, was a completely um, bizarre statement. If Rob Carney had been fit, he would have gone there before Mike Brown, or they would have brought another wing in and shift halfpenny to fullback. If I was um, Alex Good, I would feel a lot more gutted than than Mike Brown to have got so unbelievably criminally criminally little opportunity I don't think Mike Brown has played well I certainly don't see him as a lion on or, on or off the I field. completely agree with and, that I and, think he's about 10th choice standby okay, to come but in. Listen, he, he started it and does he not know what happens in the media these days but what, he, well, he, what, uh, can, he, what can he do Steve? He, he's asked a leading question players have a minimal amount of, of media training the the only story is uh, in the end. I mean, the headline is made by us, isn't it? It's not made by Mike Brown. The only real story is there. If Mike Brown says I couldn't give a damn about not getting picked, I didn't think I was good enough on form. That would be interesting. But Mike Brown saying I'm gutted is not interesting because everyone knows the bloke. Whatever you say about him, he's not in great form, but he is a competitor and he will back himself. You know that's how players who aren't of, of the very highest talent get to the position where Mike Brown has found himself because of sheer willpower and because of that he's going to feel the hurt and there's nothing wrong with him saying I'm disappointed not to be in the Lions team what's disappointing is us writing it and people thinking of it's of any real interest because it's not oh, sure. well, come on it's of massive interest because it was plastered all over the place yeah, but so that... um, in this room in, in the headquarters of news the biggest and most famous newspaper publisher in the world we're going to start attacking newspapers 
It's just the way it is. He started it. He he made a comment. He is he is old enough and has won enough caps to know exactly how the media works and to be very careful that his message got across. And he didn't do it. Okay, that's all from us for this week. Thank you very much, uh, Jonesy, Barnsley. Uh, another good week. Thank you, anyone who has listened, anyone who subscribed. You can leave messages on our iTunes account to join the conversation. We will be back uh, next week after the European Cup final, after the World Cup draw. A lot more to talk about. Have a good weekend. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.